Hello, hello, hello. I am your chef Boyardee, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to. Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the most is Munoz. And y'all better be excited because for those of you participating in dry January, it is almost over your countdown clock. What do you have? Like three, four days left? I myself have not participated in dry January because my birthday being at the beginning of January and people, you know, being over just over the holidays really push my birthday well into January. So a dry January is just not an option. But maybe dry February is, or maybe not. <laughs> Other than that, we are trucking along this year with with ups, downs, blessings, and I am so excited for today's episode. And I'm just going to get to the getting on because we have our first guest of the new year. That's right, In Your Mouth listeners, the food celebrities have finally come out of the woodwork, and I have caught one in my fishing net, even though I know nothing about fishing, but, you know, sports. <laughs> so without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Danny Freeman. Say hi. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for giving me of your time. I'm really excited to have you here. How are you? And welcome and thank you for giving me of your time and being the first guest of 2022. No pressure, Danny. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my best. I'm doing pretty good today. I'm feeling... I'm feeling ready to go, so I'm yes, excited. I I'm love excited. that. I love that. Well, before we get anywhere in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, Danny, I need to wish you Happy National Peanut Brittle Day! All right. I did not know that was a thing, but thank you. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's, it's Peanut Brittle Day. <laughs> All right. I, um, Are we a fan of the peanut brittle? Had, Are we? I've never had peanut brittle, actually. What do you mean so, you've never had peanut um, brittle? Wait, that was totally a judgment, and I didn't mean to judge you, or maybe I did. But. 
I mean, I remember seeing it as a kid sometimes at the candy store, but it never looked very appetizing to me, so I never tried it. Um, maybe I've been missing out all these years. But I feel like you I've have. Never had it. Wait, are, do we like caramel? Are you a caramel yeah, fan? Yeah, I do. Right? I uh, do. do we like peanuts? I like peanuts. Right? Yes. <laughs> what else is in peanut brittle? Um, I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, I, I, I remember going to the shore, you know, the Jersey Shore a lot, seeing peanut brittle at the candy store, but then there's always so many other options. You know, there's like the gummies and the candies as a kid. I was always attracted uh-huh, to those, uh-huh. so I never tried peanut brittle. And then, are, are we are we being discriminatory against the peanut brittle? Is that is that what we're doing today, Danny? <laughs> I guess so. But now I'm thinking about it. Like since I was a kid, I cannot think of ever coming across peanut brittle, so I never have had the opportunity. Now as an adult, you know, I'm more adventurous with what I eat, so I probably would try it. But I yes, have not seen it in a long and time. And you have a child, but too. now. Yes. Yeah, but she's only eighteen months. She's uh, uh, young way too young. Brittle, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> Definitely way too young for the peanut brittle. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, peanut brittle. Who knew? I love a peanut brittle. Right. And funnily enough, or funny enough, um, I I've been on a. I'm an old queen from way back in your mouth, listeners. Just to remind you, we don't know each other, and so we're just getting to know each other here. But I'm an old queen from way back, uh, Danny, and I've been on a kick of watching the Lucy Show, right? Because I've. I'm a big okay. Lucille Ball mm-hmm. fan. And there was an episode the other day, because it was a, a spinoff with her and Vivian Vance, and they were mm-hmm. making, what was that, what were they calling? Um, Crazy Crunch, Crazy Crunch. And it was like a popcorn caramel, kind of like a, a cracker. It seemed like Cracker Jacks and, you know, the hijinks ensued. And it was a very, very mm-hmm. funny episode. So I think it's very appropriate that it's peanut brittle day, because I feel like, you know... I don't know. I'm trying to make a, cor- a bad correlation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you told me about it so now I can celebrate the holiday that I never knew existed. But now I'm going to try to get some peanut brittle or maybe I'll make some. Yes. I well, I mean, I'll, I'll that's, not, that's not really what your followers look for from you. So <laughs> I don't think I would be mad if you never made it. But maybe, you know what, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe bring some into the house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what, Danny, no matter what you celebrate or what anybody else out there celebrates today, whether it's peanut brittle or Cracker Jacks or, I don't know, or pasta or fancy pasta. How about that? That's what we're going to (laughs) do. We celebrate you today. (laughs) And moving right along to this day in gay history. Danny, did you know that in 1971, Look Magazine includes a gay couple from Minnesota, Jack Baker and Mike McConnell as part of that week's cover article on The American Family. Baker and McConnell are also noteworthy as they are the first same-sex couple in the U.S. to be granted a marriage license. I did not know about the Look magazine, but I did actually recognize those names. Um, In my other life, I'm a lawyer, and so I sort of recognized the case that they filed that I think went up to the Supreme Court. So I did not know that they got the coverage, and that's kind of exciting. It's You Um, know what blew my mind, actually? And I love these. I've been doing these little tidbits for... For a very long time now, and and I'm still wowed, right? Not only was it 1971, but Baker and McConnell legit are are hailed as the first legally married same-sex couple in United States history. Their marriage is also the earliest same-gender marriage 
ever to be recorded in the public files of any civil government. And I was like, wait a minute, what? That really blew yeah, my mind. I, uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing. The 1970s, uh, I guess we owe them a debt of gratitude for, for pushing the envelope there. They, they really did. And I mean, I fell down a little bit of a hole just uh, with this, but they, they really... They really challenged the courts, and it all came down to when they got their marriage license. and The time between when they, issue, they were issued their marriage license and when the court decided weeks later on whether they could or could not be married. And it was like, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, mm-hmm. It was basically like, well, we already gave it to them, and you, and you changed the law weeks later. So it's still valid for them. Wow. To imagine thinking it's been, I guess it took 30 plus years before people really caught on and it became legal. Uh, so right? They were, at, they were at the forefront. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and they were activists. Um, they became mm-hmm. activists speaking at events and all sorts of things after that. So shout out to you, Mr. Baker and McConnell, who are um, sadly no longer with us. But um, that's our This Day in Gay History. But I want to get to the getting on. And in your mouth, listeners, if you don't know, and you probably do, especially if you are on TikTok, Danny Freeman makes colorful and creative fresh pasta dishes on TikTok and Instagram under the name Danny Loves Pasta. He started making pasta after his Italian grandmother passed away in order to carry on her culinary traditions, but he quickly put his own spin on things. By adding color, patterns, and unique ingredients, he creates little works of pasta art that taste as good as they look and certainly have taken the internet by storm. His pasta videos have been viewed hundreds of millions of times, and his work has been featured on BuzzFeed, Yahoo News, Pop Sugar, and more. Congrats. Congrats. And any of listeners, I was talking to Danny before we hit the record button, and I really have to shout out to my to my celesbian food wife, Chanley Borges, for really putting me on to Danny Loves Pasta and getting him on the podcast. So shout out to you, Chanley. Love you forever, girl. But I am so excited to have you here. And I want to start at the very beginning. Um, where does your love for cooking come from, Danny? Oh, okay. Good question. So I will say that I did not grow up cooking a lot. Um, (laughs) I ate a lot, but I was not a kid who was always cooking or even as an adult in my 20s. I lived in New York City for 10 years. I was definitely a takeout person. Um, But this really started, I guess it started during COVID. Um, It started December 2020. Um, Christmas time, you know, I come from an Italian family. Christmas is such a big holiday. Um, and it was the first time my entire life that I was not spending Christmas with my family because of COVID. No vaccines yet. Um, my husband and I had a baby at the time. We were living pretty far from my family, so it just didn't make sense to, to travel. Um, but I was like, all right, I'm going to make all of the recipes from my family that we would make every year. Or, you know, someone else would make for me and I would eat every yes. year. Are you a um, seven fishes and, family? Do you do all the fishes? Uh, <laughs> we would do fishes, um, but not seven, because I think that was a little too much for everyone. <laughs> no, no eels, no, would, eel tetrazzini. There's and... always like, no, there's always like calamari or shrimp or like a little nod to that, but we didn't go all the okay. way. Um, and so my grandmother every year for Christmas or most years would make 
um, fresh pasta. She'd make cavatelli, which is you know kind of a simple fresh pasta dish that I was I loved. Pasta was always been my favorite food, so that's like the biggest thing I would eat on Christmas. Even though she would make a million other things, uh, so I decided to make it. I made the pasta. Just was me and my husband. Um, our daughter was only a few months old. She was not eating then, so it was just the two of us. Um, it turned out pretty good. You know, I liked the process, and then. A couple days after Christmas, my grandmother was rushed to the hospital very unexpectedly. She had not been sick. Uh, so we ended up driving back at that point. It was like a 12-hour drive. I did get to see her, but she ended up passing away shortly after that. Um, and it was hard. I was super, super close to my grandmother. She was a, she spoke at my wedding. She, you know, she, I, was, I grew up very close to her you know, physically, so we saw her all the time. Um, and it was hard. And at the same time, my parental leave was ending. I was going back to work, not sleeping through the night with the newborn. So it was a rough time period. I was just, I was making, I decided to make pasta again, feeling close to her. I was making it again and again. And, and it was like every night I'd be in the kitchen making pasta recipes. Just, I don't know, it was a way to process the grief and feel close to her and have something to do that was not work and baby stuff. And, um, it really, it, it really helped me, and I started posting on TikTok, just posting, you know, regular pasta recipes, and then it kind of took off. Then TikTok is such a creative place. I just kept thinking, I gotta, I gotta push the creativity. I gotta do something new. I gotta do something exciting. People would give me ideas. I started introducing colors. I started introducing weird ingredients. Uh, what someone asked me every day, they were asking me to make Oreo pasta. So I just like, fine, I'll do it. So I crushed up some Oreos, made pasta out of it. So honestly, it just kind of snowballed from yeah. there. I just, I just started making it constantly. And yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to, I want to interrupt you for a second because you brought up a really good point, which we seldomly or maybe have never talked on the pod about, and it's. Um, using cooking um, as a way of dealing with grief, right? Cooking through the grief. And and um, there's actually an Instagram handle that I follow that's something like that as well. Grief cooking, I think it's called, or cooking. And it shares people doing exactly that. And um, it's a beautiful way to kind of, kind of, process and meditate and and put your energy into something especially if you're trying to feel close to to someone um in the past with people like dan pelosi or dr um jason goldstein from chop happy both of them um have mentioned something very similar one being one uh dan pelosi saying that like you know uh, no one ever, no one ever passes at the table. Like you know, no one ever dies at the table because whether it's through their recipes or through their memory over over the food, right? They live on. And Dr. Jason Goldstein is forever preaching, you know, um, using the kitchen as a place of meditation and gratitude and like, and and things like that. And so, it seems almost natural, in a way, to process grief through through the kitchen, through the cooking, and and to feel close, like you were doing, to feel close to your grandmother through creating her recipes and then moving beyond that. Absolutely. It was very, it was really helpful for me. You know, I felt like I was connecting with her. I was making recipes that she had made and she had made my whole life. And 
after I kind of talked about this a little bit on my TikTok account, a lot of people reached out to me to share similar things. I mean, people said that they would make recipes from their loved ones who had passed away. They they wanted to carry on the tradition. You know, they had a parent or grandparent who made the same thing every year, and now they are doing it, or they just sort of maybe they had never made it before, but they rediscovered it and started carrying on the tradition to feel close to to their loved ones. It's food is such a can be such a loving, comforting thing, and when you connect it to loved ones, and now you're continuing the tradition, it's it's really meant a lot to me, and, and it's honestly the whole reason that I've gotten so into making pasta and you know everything I've done since then has really gone back to that one moment and gone back to my grandmother yeah and I it's it's just so beautiful and it's certainly not where I thought we were going today because what you do is so fun and so great and so crazily unique you know and um unique in a way that's just not that's just not putting mustard on watermelon uh or whatever the whatever like the most ridiculous of the TikTok food trends, Instagram food trends have been. It's unique and it's fun and it's doable. So I certainly didn't think we were just gonna go down a road of like grief cooking. But I also think it's a it's a really beautiful thing to explore and realize and kind of you know, ground yourself in, you know, like uh, because of where you started from where we started, look where we are now, you know? And and absolutely, and I think that's really, really, just beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. But moving on into into this um, into the fun part of of what you do, right? You said you said you were you, you were like coaxed into doing an Oreo pasta, and I saw and I actually saw. Not that long ago, or maybe a long time ago, because um, you know you're for, we're forever scrolling. Um, Chef uh, Joe Sasto, have you discovered him? He's another big pasta fluencer. Mm-hmm. Is that what y'all are called? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. That pasta works. influencers, yeah. pasta, uh-huh, right? Right. Influencers, yeah. or <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I like pot pot. What was the first one? Pasta influencer. Pa- pasta influencer. Pasta influencer. Pasta influencer. Yeah, yeah pasta I think that works. That 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 may have to mm-hmm. be the title of this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. So you did that. So any of listeners, if you haven't discovered uh, Danny loves pasta, and I don't know how, uh, because the man is all over the place uh, in the best of all possible ways, uh, and very beautifully. Um, he has. He just creates these really, really unique colors and textures and shapes and really fun things. How did it? How did it just go from like, let's say, cavatelli to making snowmen or witches hats or or pumpkins or uh, anything else that's really crazy that you make? Uh, I guess it started with adding colors, which is not. You know, I'm not the first or the only person to do that. There's a lot of people who add color to pasta using all different natural ingredients, spinach, beets, paprika, turmeric. You know, there's lots of different ways to make colorful pasta, which really looks beautiful. And people get very creative in the patterns and uh, stripes and polka dots and all of that. So I started experimenting with that and making different colors and then started making different shapes, then started coming up with my own shapes. Um, it really, honestly, the ideas just kind of came from anywhere. Like I would be looking around and seeing, oh, that's like a cool flower. Could that become a pasta shape? Or um, 
you know, for different occasions. You know, I was thinking, oh, Father's Day, I could make a pasta that a ravioli is in the shape of a bow tie. Um, uh, honestly, I, I don't know <laughs> exactly where these ideas come from. They just kind of come from my life and I'm always thinking of new ideas and trying to come up with something. Yeah, but that I where do you before. find the time? Because um, in your mouth, listeners, I mean, the man, the man legit was making succulent pastas, like pastas that li- look like little succulent in like terracotta pots or snowmen uh, filled raviolis. Right? They were raviolis. I think they were yeah. that you yeah. that you dropped, <laughs> and, and they're very detailed and complex. And you are you are um, a tenants rights lawyer by day right is that correct uh so i was a tenants rights lawyer for a long time about two months ago i took a leave of absence because i was working full-time and taking care of my daughter full-time you know with covid we didn't have child care honestly it was impossible so my job let me take a leave of absence so that has been a, a big help. I don't have the job I see. now. Because I was like, where does he have the time? He's a lawyer. He has a kid. He has a husband. And and he's making crazy pastas because pasta in general, you know, just like regular old like linguine is a little bit time consuming. You know, I live in 120 square feet in Times Square. So my kitchen is about two and a half feet wide. So for me to make pasta, it's an all day event. And, it's a, and there's flour from, you know, ceiling to... To front door, so it's it's time consuming yeah. as is, and now and now you add on this. I'm making these unique and beautiful creations on top of it. I was like, I don't know how this man does it. He may never sleep. Time is the biggest struggle. I mean, when I was working, I, I, shout out to any parent who's surviving with this pandemic. It's it was tough. You know, my husband and I were both working from home full time. We had a one year old. It was it was a struggle. So, but even now, without my job, I'm now I'm taking care of her full time and doing this. Um, that's the hardest part. Like ideas, I have a million ideas that I wish I had time to do. Now I'm squeezing them indoor nap time and at night. Um, it it's definitely tough, but I don't know. I guess I really enjoy it. It's something that I do just for myself, and I can kind of take those moments when I can find them and and just sort of be creative in a way that. I couldn't do as a lawyer. I, you know, don't always do as a parent. So it's it's just kind of like a different side of myself that I try to find time yeah, for. Absolutely. What would you say is the first time you realized in your TikTok, Instagram adventures where where you realized that oh, this is taking off? Like, what was that? Where was that one moment that you were like, oh, I'm on the right track with the with this passion project food adventure that I'm on? Um, I mean, going viral on TikTok is a really strange thing. <laughs> um, you never, it's really hard to predict. You can put a ton of time into a video and it flops and you can do like, it's a super quick video and it takes off. So at first, in the very beginning, the times I was going viral, whatever that really means is, um, people were very interested in the type of eggs I was using because they were like a very bright color. And whenever I use these eggs, those videos would go viral. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't think that much of it because that's not anything I'm really doing. Uh, and then I think I went viral for a pasta that was supposed to look like camouflage, like it had those camouflage colors. And, um, 
And that was the first time I thought, all right, this is an idea that I just like, came up with one day. I executed it. People responded to it. Um, now I'm thinking, what can I do next? You know, what is, what, how do I top this? How do I keep going? Um, that's kind of what fueled me is I, I saw an idea that I did, put out in the world, People liked it, and then I thought, all right, I got to push the creativity now and take it even further. Yeah, my favorite, one of my favorites of yours was your Burberry plaid pasta. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if they've reached out to you, but that that is terrible on their PR end if they haven't to just tell you to, hey, can we get like pounds and pounds of this, you know, for an event? (laughs) Because it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I don't know exactly where that idea came from, but that idea came, I guess, from me just thinking, what are different patterns that exist in the world that could be turned into a a pasta dish? Um, So, yeah, that was a fun one. I mean, honestly, I'm just thinking back through all the ones I've done. Um, You know, there's some that I really love that didn't resonate with people, and... That's yeah, but uh, the internet um, is fickle, you know, the, and, and yeah, it's will very fickle. always be. <laughs> it's very fickle. Because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the doom scrolling, it's the scrolling because we're bored, it's, it's scroll, 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 one day you're in, the next day you're out, the next day, you know, you're, you're the biggest thing. So, so yeah, the internet is fickle, and yeah, trying to figure know. it out um, is, is virtually impossible, but I think what's so special about you is is your grounding, right? Your grounding and why you do what you do and then the creativity that has come from it, you know? And I think that's what, that's where the success and why why there's so much joy in watching you do what you do. Yeah, and I have to, I have to give a shout out to other, you know, the, the TikTok world, the TikTok community and other creators because I do get a lot of ideas from um, people who follow me, who send me suggestions, even when I'm scrolling through TikTok, I see other artists. I see clay artists, and I get ideas. I see fabric artists and get ideas. Um, so, you know, these things are all coming from things that I'm seeing and things in my life. And I just kind of think, all right, could I translate that into a pasta design? Is that a shape I could make? You know, would that, would that look cool? Would that be a, you know, a failure? And uh, I just yeah. kind of run with it. Yeah, have you been ostracized by the homosexual community for eating carbs? <laughs> I know. I eat. People ask me, like, do you eat pasta every day? Like, well, maybe not every day, but definitely many times a week. <laughs> just uh, just leaning into and perpetuating stereotypes here <laughs> on Indio Math. <laughs> right. Trust and believe I am a carb queen myself, you know? Um, they're delicious, and if I could eat pasta every day like you, Danny, <laughs> I, w- I would. But Danny, I think now, because this has been so joyous and so lovely just getting to know you, but I think I want to have a little bit of fun with you and take you out into my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Food News Update! All right, let's do it. You ain't red, girl. Spill the tea. News update. Queen Elizabeth is releasing her own royal condiments. Okay. Uh, Y'all should see Danny's face right now. Um... Any of us listeners, I really missed this. I really missed having somebody here with me for Food News Update because more often than not, my guests are like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know she had any specialty in that. Maybe she doesn't. Um, but I guess it's a good brand extension in a way. Maybe people will buy it. Um Listen, the royal family, right, and Queen Elizabeth II um, have released beers in the past, wine, two different types of gin, one tied to Buckingham Palace and the other to Sandringham Sandringham House. And um, now they're releasing these royal estate condiments, and they're set to arrive in two varieties, tomato sauce and brown sauce. Doesn't that sound um, appetizing? (laughs) And before we go anywhere, thank you to Food & Wine for always keeping me in the know, although they're still not a sponsor. But I still love you. So for the uninitiated tomato sauce, um, it's it's just like a ketchup-like sauce and the brown sauce is kind of like an A1 sauce or like a Heinz HP sauce right it's just like a little thicker than A1 okay I mean I guess thinking about I would say I'm sure that there are some amazing chefs who work for the queen and work at the palace I don't know if they're involved in this at all, but I'm sure there's a lot of great culinary uh, minds there. I, well, I I'm sure just... I'm, I'm sure the queen herself isn't isn't right. in the kitchen being like, "Oh, let me uh, mix the tomatoes." Right. <laughs> I'm sure she did not do this, so maybe there's someone there who knows what they're doing, or maybe it's just some sort of cash grab and like it's just the same type of I sauce mean, you can get anywhere, but with her name on it. I don't know. Are you are you a royal stan, as the kids are saying these days? Are you, are you big into the royals? I would not say that I'm a royal stan. I'm, I would say I'm royal, royal aware. I kind of pay attention a little bit, um, but not into all, like, the intimate details. Yeah, I feel like I'm not... I, I, I mean, I watch The Queen on Netflix. That's as far as mm-hmm. I go. But um, I feel like I've heard something that, like, the money flow isn't as bountiful as it once was. So mm. perhaps you're, you're correct in saying that this is just a cash grab and in, in keeping the family, you know, wealthy. And, and I mean, for all the royal stands out there, I wouldn't blame you for buying this, right? It's all like, it's all the fan merch, you know, <laughs> much yeah, like exactly. the shirt I'm wearing today. <laughs> if you can get some brown sauce with the queen's face on it, why not? I mean, not, that does not sound <laughs> appetizing. <laughs> I mean, I will probably not be buying it, but maybe someone. Oh, my goodness. So, um, I mean, the tomato sauce, uh, uh, they're reporting that the tomato sauce is apparently ideal for breakfast or any time of day, utilizing dates, apple juice, and slight and spices in its recipe, while the brown sauce is packed with vinegar and spices. Um, 
good. I love this food and wine article. They go, if you want to eat like the queen, be prepared to pl- to pay royal prices. Both bottles are said to cost six ninety nine pounds, which is about nine fifty American. So, and it, the bottle isn't really that big. Hmm. All right. So uh, that's not like the cheap store brand you might buy if you just like need some brown sauce. Uh, I mean, it's like a Sir Kensington's or something. Yeah, you know? if you want a little bit, maybe it, you know, maybe it's a little bit higher end, tastes a little bit better. Maybe it's worth I, it. I don't know. I mean, I, I if you want to listen, royal family, if you want to send us some, Danny <laughs> will throw some in his pasta, yeah, right? Sure. We can Definitely. make that happen. I'll throw some, you know. On my next date, and and we'll <laughs> and we'll post about it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'll I'll find a way to use it. I don't I don't know. I feel like we're indifferent about this. I don't I don't know if we're here for this. I'm willing to try it. I don't <laughs> think I would go out and buy the, it. Wait a minute. I would, the, qu- I would try the queen it. isn't <laughs> like the mob, is she? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. If I didn't, if I denounce her sauce, they're gonna come yeah. after me. <laughs> what if she's wa- gonna listen to this podcast? And oh my god! So then it. we gotta stop talking about it. We are totally here for this. right, right, exactly. <laughs> NYC is getting an NFT restaurant, and our eyes have rolled so far back it hurts. Mm. Oh, my God. I love these headlines. First and foremost, thank you to The Takeout for this headline. And secondly, what the hell is an NFT? I'm hoping you know more about this than I do. I mean, when I think of NFT, I think of like those little Internet pictures that people can buy for Bitcoin or something. I don't. Um, I I mean, that's kind of my my entire grasp of what M- NFTs are, but I still don't get it. So uh, my understanding is there are these like online graphics that you buy, but they stay online. They don't get printed out. You don't put them in a frame and you buy them with like crypto coin or something. Yeah. You right? buy them and you are the owner and you could resell them, but it's just a digital image. So, you know, other people can look at that digital image online. It's the same thing, but you are the owner of that image or that so why so why thing. does this non-existent existent thing cost so much money? I, uh, I, I don't get I it. I have never bought one, but I and I feel like the people who are really into it are like, oh my god, this is going to be worth so much money. This is going to change the world. People are making um, a lot of money from <laughs> yeah. these things, and I don't understand it. They're buying and reselling them. I, I don't know. I guess they're try, trying to create a market for digital images that one day will be worth more money. I don't know if it's real or if it's like Beanie Babies back in the day that there's all this hype about and everything's thinks are going to become rich off of it and then it's worth nothing. But people are super into it. So Listen, I, I still have my Beanie Baby moose in my mother's <laughs> attic in a case, okay? Because I was told that that Beanie Baby was going to make me rich. <laughs> yeah, you were like the original NFT collector, but it was a Beanie Baby. Thank you for calling me old, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had a lot of Beanie Babies too, so I'm with you. I mean, I had Beanie Babies, I had Pogs, I had mm-hmm. I had uh, the entire Desert Storm card collection. Talk about propaganda. <laughs> um, I had I had all sorts of things that are living in my mother's attic. Yep. I mean. Me too. So I guess, so, uh, and Danny, I don't know if you know, but like there are some food um, people who have gotten into NFTs, like Pringles is one of them. 
Um, and now there's a restaurant, a new restaurant opening in NYC called the Fly Fish Club, and it's start and it's being started by uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who um, if you you probably have heard of um, for co-founding a restaurant reservation app Resi. And so okay. in order to be a member of the club, you'll need to buy one of its limited and exclusive NFTs using the cryptocurrency Ether. Right now, there are two levels. And as of this moment, the lower one is worth around $8,200, while the fancy one is worth around $14,800. And, and what do you get? You get to be a member of this restaurant and go there? And go there. And apparently, if you go for the higher-end one, uh, the expensive one grants you access to what's known as the Omasake Room. There's no, um, there's no tell of what kind of food they'll be serving yet or, or even if there is food or is it digital food. <laughs> right. See, this right. just keeps getting more complicated, and I feel like we're getting sucked into the Matrix. Yeah, I guess this <laughs> is where I don't understand it. Yeah, the ultra-exclusive omosake room will supposedly be serving super high-end sushi, which is what omosake is. Um, duh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This is very odd, and is this really what we need? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not for me to judge how other people spend their money, but yeah, it seems like maybe some people have too much money <laughs> if they're doing this. <laughs> think we're here for this i do not and i i just before i dig deeper into a a hole of things that i don't understand i'm just gonna move on to last but not least oscar meyer made a hydrating sheet mask that looks like you got it a slice of baloney you wear it on your face like a regular sheet mask um yeah I would be worried about Hello? the smell. <laughs> Does it smell like baloney? <laughs> that I would not want. Listen, I I just turned 41, and for the amount of times I have had a baloney on my face, <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to. Don't mind. <laughs> I, I don't mind, as long as it's good, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, does, does baloney have any sort of skin... Well, wait, you're not actually, (laughs) who knows, like salty meat on your face? I wouldn't be mad. So listen, the the limited edition face mask uh, wasn't produced by the Chicago-based cold cut company. They left that up to Korean beauty and skincare company, Soul Mamas. As a result, the mask combines the best of both worlds. It has hydrating skin protecting benefits that Soul Mama regulars have come to expect. And it also looks like you've bitten a set of eye and mouth holes out of a slice of bologna. All right. I guess those are the best of both worlds. Uh, I mean, if it, if it doesn't actually have bologna in it and it's actually good sheet mask, I mean, when I put on a mask like that, I mean, I can't see it unless I look in the mirror, so I don't really mind what it looks like as long as it works. I mean, it kind of looks like something out of Silence of the Lambs. Like where <laughs> you're waiting, so it, it looks a little cannibalistic if... Uh, if I do say so myself. But this is what I'll tell you. People, companies like Soul Mama and other Korean uh, beauty um, 
manufacturers and companies have really cornered the market and are some of the best uh, face masks that I've tried out there. Um, yes, obviously, this is a gimmick, and I certainly went to Amazon because it's only exclusively sold on Amazon. And lo and behold, it's already sold out because things like this. Uh, last week, we were I was talking about, like, uh, Campbell's came out with... Um, with uh, two ca- two candles that smell like chicken soup and one smells like tomato soup and grilled cheese. Uh, the week before that, somebody was making, Lay's was making vodka or something. It's always, These companies always have mm-hmm. a gimmick and they mm-hmm. always sell out and they always end up on eBay costing $5,000. So right. now I get now I guess it's a choice of are you spending the money on the NFT restaurant or are you spending money on the baloney face? <laughs> <laughs> right, those are your options. Um, I would try to try the master. Why not? Right, I mean, sounds like it works. I mean, it sounds yeah, like it feels nice yeah. and it's made by uh, a real company. So yeah, yeah. And who doesn't love the sensation of? Salty meat on their face. <laughs> and right, with exactly. that, I think that's a great way to end the <laughs> news update. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> this is my favorite section of the podcast. And now you have something to talk to your your lovely husband uh, about over dinner, over pasta tonight. Exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to look that stuff up after this and uh, check it out. It's absolutely ridiculous, and we have started this year off with a bang. Speaking of your husband, um, you will also be the first person I asked this year about coming out and the journey that was, because um, it's a beautiful thing that you not only have a husband, but you also have a beautiful 18-month-old daughter in your life now, too. Can you... And it seems like your grandmother was uh, super supportive coming full circle because she spoke at your wedding, you said, you mentioned. So what was that experience like? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't... If I'm looking back on everything, I don't necessarily feel like there's one coming out moment that was the one big you know, reveal or anything like that. Um, I mean, I was, you know, I was the type of kid who was like friends with all the girls on the playground and into the kind of girly quote unquote things. Um, and so, you know, I had to sort of discover what that meant and discover who I was, which was a little bit of a process. Um, but it was, I was, I guess, kind of a teenager when I started thinking about it more seriously. You know, I came from a very religious family, but also a very accepting and liberal family. Um, so when I told my parents in college, it took some adjustment. It was not like, oh, okay, great, let's throw you a party. I mean, it was definitely, took some time. Um, but I wasn't met with a lot of hate. I was met with a lot of all right, let's think about this. Like, we love you. Let me think about what, <laughs> let me process this. But, um, you know, my grandmother in particular, she was only ever supportive. You know, definitely. Uh, I have two brothers, brothers both uh, supportive. So it was more for me, it was more about the harder part was kind of just coming to terms with who I was myself. Um, that, that took a while. But once I was there, I started telling friends and family. Um, and then I, I met my husband when I was pretty young. I was 21. Um, 
And so then he started coming around to family events and people were embracing him. And then by the time I got married, both my grandmother and my grandfather spoke and my parents, um, which really meant a lot to me. Um, because they, in particular, they are both, they were both, my grandfather's still alive, but they were both very religious and very Catholic and, you know, church was a huge part of their life. So to see them at my wedding meant a lot to me. Um, and you know, my husband and I got married seven years ago. We'd been talking about having a family for a long time. It was something that we both wanted, and it's obviously a long journey to get there for us. Um, but it's something that we really, I don't know, we just, we felt like it was right for us. And my daughter's 18 months old now. It's been an amazing, amazing, amazing time with her. Uh, it's been incredible. So, yeah, I, just, I, I mean, really we blessed. celebrate we celebrate the glow up here for sure. And, you know, I always say we don't we also don't qualify um, coming out stories as like good, bad. It's just it's just the journey that is and the path that we're on. Right. And some some are just more full of struggle than others, you know. And so and so it's beautiful. And thank you for sharing, because uh, for for the stories, for each story of struggle that we hear, we also need to hear stories like this as well, right? Not everything, not everything related to being LGBTQ is about struggle and strife, you know, as as media may kind of gear us towards. Yeah, I feel very lucky to have the family that I have and and the reception that I had. Um, I think for me, my teenage years and early 20s was definitely a time period of trying to figure out who I was. And there were you know, bright moments and dark moments. Um, and it made it a lot easier having family that supported me. Um, and then I feel like I, I started gaining a lot more confidence in my later 20s. So I kind of felt like I discovered who I was. I felt like I had a base of support from my family and my partner. And that you know, that made a big difference. I think back to my early 20s to my late 20s, you know, internally I was a totally different person because I had so much more confidence in who I was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And now and now, look where you are, uh, a pasta fluencer <laughs> with a daughter and a family living a beautiful life. I love that. What's next for you? Where, where what, what is next for Danny Loves Pasta? Where, what are, what should we be looking forward to? You know, give give us all the things. My biggest project that's coming next, which will be a long journey, is to write a cookbook. Um, I just, like, three days ago signed with an agent to get the ball rolling. So we're working on a proposal for a cookbook. We're going to shop at a publisher. So that's like a two-year process <laughs> before the book is out. But it's, that is... It's a long journey. Everybody who's been on here who yeah. has a cookbook is like... Oh, cookbooks. They're, for some reason, they're really, really complicated um, to produce and make and get done and whatnot. And, um, but that's very, very exciting. And I can't wait to see that. What else? What else? What else? Give us, give us all, give us all the teasers. Um, well, this is more of a personal life, I guess, thing. But my family, we just bought our first house ever after, you know, renting my entire adult life. So, we just moved, we were in New York City, we just moved out of the city, and um, so I finally have, like, a full kitchen to work in, and, uh, you know, new places to explore, so 
I feel like after winter, when things get a little bit nicer outside, uh, I just have like a whole new world to figure out, new restaurants to go to, new you know, shops, new farmer's markets, new, just new everything. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, one of my goals for 2022, which I have fallen behind on, is a site where finally there's a place people can go for recipes because you know, TikTok is a lot of fun, but it's like very short videos. It's very hard to get a full recipe across in a 30 second mm -hmm. video. Um, so my goals are to do more tutorials, maybe on YouTube, have a website. People can look at my recipes. So I have time to do any of that, but that's one of my one of my goals. <laughs> I had a really funny thought, right? Um, this podcast, as you know, and in your mouth listeners, if if you've been with me for a long time, which a lot I feel like a lot of you have, um, we're coming up on four years, but still I'm not RuPaul's status, but it felt like, as Danny was telling me about building a website, it felt like a really great place to insert like one of those Squarespace ads you hear on like the celebrity <laughs> podcast. Well, you know, with code in your mouth, you can get 20% off. Right, right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue. That's incredible. That's incredible. Well, I wish you all the success and I'm so excited to see what happens and what is coming next. I am always, I'm always titillated by by the content that you produce, especially especially and oddly by what color is is me mashing up all my yeah. all my scraps. I'm like, why why is this? It's almost like ASMR. You know? Yeah, that is like going. I think I talked about this before. Like, you have videos that you just kind of throw together and then they blow up. Like I started doing that with just my scraps, mushing them all together and running them through my pasta machine to see what people like about that. Yeah, right? Like, how weird. How weird. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You know what else I love? I love that you and I have connected today, and I really can't thank you enough for giving me of your time. Let the kids know all the handles, the TikTok, the Instagram, the Twitter... Um, there isn't a website, but it's going to come. The OnlyFans. Give them everything, Danny. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on uh, TikTok on Instagram at Danny Loves Pasta. I did buy the domain name for DannyLovesPasta.com. So, you know, one day you can check that out, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you thought about being sneaky, right? Being sneaky bitches out there. He already right. owns the domain. Right. Don't go to GoDaddy.com, <laughs> you know, and right. try I already it. did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Danny Loves Pasta, that's where you can find me. Um, and I always love hearing ideas. I love hearing feedback. So shoot me a message, message anytime. Also, if you ever have any questions, people ask me a lot of quest pasta questions if they're making pasta. Please shoot me any questions. I'm happy to answer them. Yes. You know, salt your water like the sea. <laughs> yes, there you exactly. go. <laughs> that's, that's the only tip you need, right? That's a good one. That is a very important one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Once again, a big shout out and thanks to Danny Freeman for coming, giving me of his time and coming on the pod today. What a joyous day it has been. In your mouth, listeners, it is the end of January, and if you are about to start drinking, take it slow and be responsible if you are breaking your alcohol fast. Nobody likes the girl at the bar that throws up all over the place or is messy. And I want I want us to, like, you know, go, go into this year, you know, treating ourselves well and and making good things happen for all of us, right? And so that's that's my Jerry Springer final thoughts for today. <laughs> and other than that, all I have left to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth!
Bones. 